Welcome to the third episode of Swans Talk and More, your 20-minute podcast. I am your host, Stephen Park, and there's a great deal to talk about tonight. First off the bat, we have our one and only Buddy, who has flown the coop for this year. Yes, that's right. Buddy has had a line place for him for the rest of this year due to groin soreness when he tried to ramp up ready for full training. The Swans are hoping to get the 33-year-old ready for next season, but I'm starting to wonder. Has anyone else got a bad feeling about this? Does anyone else think there may be something going on? Buddy, sitting in the coach's box on the bench throughout a game, it doesn't look good. Are we seeing the end of Buddy? That's a question I put out there for you. Anyway, in other news, we've got the racial discrimination against Elijah Taylor. And for those people out there who are badgering, belittling and giving this young boy a hard time get over yourselves seriously he made a mistake he's a 19 year old kid and kids make mistakes yes it was serious yes he broke the law but he isn't the only one and he won't be the last so elijah taylor if you're out there and you're listening we all make mistakes mate It's how we respond and how we learn from them. In other news, we've had dear old Mitz Robinson getting stuck into Tom Lynch. And how good has that been? I seriously love Mitch Robinson. Not only because he's a Tasmanian, but also because he actually gets out there and he gives it a red hot crack. And he will talk the talk while walking the walk. Some other interesting news, the grand final decision is coming up. Finally, we might know where it's going to be played. Sadly, I think the AFL will go with the money over the heart and choose Optus Stadium. Personally, I'm of the belief that it needs to actually be played in Queensland. The Queensland government have gone out of their way to make sure the AFL has survived and I think we need to support them. We can't just let it go. They have been outstanding and we deserve to support them all the way. So thank you, Queensland Government and AFL, if you're listening. Make sure you actually go out of your way and support them as well. In some other news, and something that has popped up lately, is Tom Papley. I have a question for you. What's going on with Tom? Has anyone noticed that he seems to have dropped off around the goals lately? He isn't playing as well in the forward 50. But I have something for you to ponder. Something for you to question. To ask yourself the next time he plays. Has anyone noticed a serious coincidence with Tom Papley and another returning player to the Swans? And I'm talking about the one and only... Sam Reed. Since Sam Reed's back in the been back in the team, Tom Papley and his efficiency in the forward fifty has dropped significantly. Since Sam Reed's been back in the team, Tom
Tom Papley's been in the midfield. Since Sam Reid has been back in the team, Tom Papley doesn't play as the one-out forward. The question I ask you is, why? Why did we change something that was working for us as a team? Why would we? We were using speed and efficiency for him, and yet over the last three weeks, we've seen this significantly drop off. I'm not saying Tom Papley's playing bad, but he's not being as effective in front of goals as he was because his role has changed. And I'm not 100% certain this is a good thing. What do you think out there? Make sure you leave your comments below. Anyway, I think it's time to move on to the review of the game. And, sadly, it isn't a good review. Swans, it was an extremely poor game. The midfield looked slow, extremely slow. The kicking efficiency was abysmal. The defensive pressure of the midfield was shocking. And the way we used the ball going from the midfield into the forward 50 was atrocious. Another game where we didn't score in the second and third quarter. Six games last year, we did this. Yes, that's right. Six games last year, we did not score in the second and third quarters. And this is the third time this year. Hmm. Horse, there's something that you need to look at, mate. And you and your coaching staff need to seriously consider what's going on with this. One good thing. We won 28 clearances, but most of them were rushed dump kicks, which were intercepted. We won the hitouts. Sinclair was good, and the only thing Reed did well, I must say. We had 43 inside 50s, but at 21% efficiency. Our worst effort of the year. We did have more inside 50s this week, though. We kept bombing it long and kicking it straight to the opposition with 68 turnovers. Yep, that's right. 68 turnovers. We average in the 40s. We did win the tackles with 50. Still a poor effort though. And one percenters with 58. Sadly, most of these were from four or five players. Some other interesting stats. We only lost the disposals by 22. We had more kicks, but were 15% less effective with our kicking. We actually won the inside 50s for the first time this year, but our efficiency inside 50 was an abysmal 20.9%, our worst of the year. Sadly, this is a stat we are traditionally better at than Frio, and they went at 7% better than their average. Seriously, what was our midfield doing? There was no pressure whatsoever. We had equal centre and stoppage clearances, Issue was, we cleared the ball with a dump kick and it was intercepted by Cox and Ryan almost every single time. Were they playing for us last night? I ask yourself. It was really hard to find best players, but anyway, I've given it a go with five. First off, and someone who's actually been mentioned the last couple of weeks, is James Rowbottom. Yep, Paddlebot, it's you again, James Rowbottom. Tried hard all night, 6 tackles, 19 possessions, 4 score involvements, and a whopping 23 pressure acts. Yep, 23 pressure acts. 
Callum Sinclair, again, was another strong player for us. Strong, I'm not so sure, is the right word, actually. Is it because he only looked good because everyone else looked so poor? He rucked tirelessly against two big men all night. 78% disposal efficiency and 57 ruck contests. Not a bad effort. Robbie Fox, undersized all night, giving away a whopping 18 centimetres and kept lob quiet for most of the night. He kicked one goal from a mark that he took on Fox, so that's not bad. Five one percenters, 15 disposals, and 294 metres gained. I have to put Jake Lloyd in there because everyone in Fox Fantasy and all those types of things put him up there. Picked up lots of disposals, but that was about it, though. Four one-percenters, 433 metres gained, 28 disposals at a reasonably poor 66% kicking efficiency. Jake Lloyd, I ask you, is this good enough from a senior player? I think the answer is not. The next one, and the last one that I could actually find that I thought gave a red-hot go for the game, was Stevens. He tried his guts out in the contest every single time. Laid five tackles, 18 pressure acts, went at 100% kicking efficiency. Sadly, he only had the ball 11 times, which meant he didn't get enough use of it. So... There's my five players that I thought were good. What about you? What was your opinion? What did you think? So, let's move on to the other stuff. This is a segment that focuses on the stats the media don't tell us about. For example, one percenters, disposal efficiency, kicking efficiency, effective kicks, and so on. This week, we're going to focus on pressure acts. Pressure acts are the acts that help your opponent cough up the ball or cause a turnover. We have a couple of people leading the way in this, a couple of familiar names in Josh Kennedy and Luke Parker going at 16 and 24 pressure acts respectively. However, in between them, we have Rowbottom and Stevens, averaging a whopping 23 and 18 respectively. Well done to those two young men. So, the other stuff isn't too bad. Our pressure acts are up there for certain people. Sadly, it's not enough because after Josh Kennedy, it drops down to a lowly eight pressure acts. That is not good enough. Not good enough at all. We need to be putting on more pressure. We need to be putting on a lot more defensive pressure. Of course, this is something you need to look at because... As my old mate Ellie says, defense wins matches. The more defensive pressure we put on, the better off we will be. So let's move on and focus on the good and the bad of the game. The good this week. Guess what? Free free kick Hawthorne is officially gone. The Hawks received no free kicks in the second half of their port game. That's right. Alastair Clarkson, I think you going off and routing about your mouth, you need to stop, mate, because the umpiring fraternity is starting to get on your back. No free kicks means no Hawthorne. Free kick Hawthorne, officially done. Hashtag. 
Dean Cox showing some passion at three-quarter time and giving the boys a razz-up. Sadly, Dean, it didn't actually help at all. The big thing, though, the big thing that I've really enjoyed this week is Mitch Robinson. He's been keeping us entertained over the three days of No Footy Frenzy, so thank you, Mitch. Make sure you keep it up, and I totally agree with you. Tom Lynch is not necessarily what you called him, but he has some serious issues. Did people see that he's been reported again for this week? Fancy punching someone in the throat or pushing them in the throat after having two fines last week. I don't get it. Tom Lynch, I think you're a good player, but you seriously need to stop acting tough. It's not the type of football you're going to be remembered for. The bad. Well, let's have a look at it. There's a few things that are going wrong in the AFL at the moment. There are lots and lots. But I want to focus in on one thing. And that's kicking efficiency inside 50 and goal kicking. What is going on with goal kicking? How is it that Brisbane Lions, who are sitting near the top of the ladder, are the 18th worst goal kicking team in the league? You tell me, what is going on? I can't understand how goal-kicking can be this bad. Gordon Coventry, Tony Lockett, Jason Dunstall, these guys were legend, were legendary in their own right. They could kick the ball. We have players now who can't. Is it because of fatigue? Is it because they don't practice enough? I don't know. But seriously, it is becoming a real issue in the game. The Sydney Swans are just another example of this. How poor has scoring been this year? 21 plus games in the AFL where teams have kicked five goals or less. The sad thing is they're kicking lots of points still. On average, points and kicking points is up by 15%. I don't get it. The other bad that I think needs to be talked about, and I don't understand why they're doing it, but rushing the rest of the season. Gil, why do you need to compact games again? You tell me. I don't get it. Can anyone answer that question? Please, if you've got an answer, make sure you drop it below and actually talk about it, because I do not get it. Not at all. Why do we need to rush it? Why can't we just have a game on a Thursday, a game on a Friday, a couple of games on a Saturday, a couple of games on a Sunday, maybe even a game on a Monday? We do not need to play every single night. It takes up so much time, Gil. While I love it, there are other elements of life as well. Just a question, just a thought. Anyway, moving on. So, next week the Swans play Port. Saturday at 1.45. It's going to be a tough one. It's the second best of defense of 2020 versus the second best scoring team of 2020. Who comes out on top? Well, I'm not going to give a prediction. The reason being, I don't think I need to. I think we all know where it's going. Sadly, I said four or five weeks ago, that I didn't think we'd win another game. We won one against GWS. It was a great win. 
we played really, really well. But the thing was, it was an anomaly. GWS are not playing that well. And sadly, I don't think we are either. Our young guys are going to be up and down, and that's the way it will be. But anyway, moving on to this game. The game will be won in the midfield. If our midfield play as poorly as what they did last week, we have no chance at all. They need to move Kennedy, Parker, out. They need to put in Blakey, Rowbottom, leave Thurlow on the wing, and possibly play Florent in there, but I'm not 100% certain. I don't think he played that well. Put Mills back in there. I know we're weak down back. But who cares? Give it to the young guys in the middle. Give them a chance. Give them the opportunity to shine. That is the way they will learn. If we do that, it doesn't matter if we get beat. Not at all. Nobody cares if we lose. But what we need to do is be giving the young guys a chance to build. The defence will have to try and contain their forwards. It's not going to be easy. Ollie Wines, Dixon, there's lots of them. We need to be aware of what's going to happen. Do not allow Dixon, Wines, Robbie Gray, Travis Boak and the like to actually come out and dominate this game. We would have to be silly. Anything else on the port? No, I don't think so. It's just going to be another tough game for the Swans. Yep, we can do it, that's for certain. But we have to come switched on. Win or lose, it doesn't matter, as long as we see improvement. And improvement comes from coaching. Horse, improvement comes from coaching. Please, while I love the new game style... You still need something else. Fremantle worked out what you were doing and how you were going to do it. Port Adelaide will do the same. You will need to be able to switch it around in-game. And if you can't do that, we will never improve. Moving on to the people's questions. There's been a few today, so thank you very much for those. First one comes from Ellie Habak a regular listener and a passionate Swans fan. He starts off by saying, Stephen, defensive pressure wins matches. Please make sure you mention that for me tonight. Ellie, I have, and thank you so much, and I totally agree with you. If we do not improve our defensive pressure through the midfield, through our forwards, then we will have no chance. We just put our back line under so much pressure. There's no way Melican Fox, Thurlow and the like will actually contain Port Adelaide if we do not put defensive pressure on from our forward line and through our midfield. We need two-way players. And sadly, at the moment, I don't think we do. He also has a question, Stephen. What do we need to get in the draft? Ellie, the number one thing we need is a Ruckman. That is the biggest issue that we have and the thing that we need to focus in on to make sure that we actually improve. The next thing we need to do is get a big, bulking backman to help out Dane Rampey and Robbie Fox. If we don't get that, we're going to struggle again next year. 
Also, I think we need to get someone like a Ben Brown, not a Joe Danaher, someone who's going to be on the park at all times. And I don't think bustling Joe is going to be the one to do that. So, the question is yours. Who do you think we need to get? Another comment from Ashley Pello. And she said, The concern for me is the coaching staff. It was evident pretty early on that Fremantle shut down the corridor. They did their homework. As for the past weeks, that's what we have been doing. Even shots of the coaching box had their heads in their hands. No idea what they were doing. I got, we have little to no experience left now in the team, but the structure was completely completely wrong from the start. This is just my opinion. And Ashley, I totally agree with you. We did struggle from the start. And sadly, we had no plan B. While it's great to have a plan A, and when it works, it really works. But if it doesn't, we need something to fall back on. And kicking it short and around the boundary isn't that. So, that's Swans talking more for tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Remember, cheer, cheer. Go Sydney, go Swans, go Bloods.